0: Hi everyone, it's Charlie and Chrissy here. Hey, from Forward Thinking. Uh, So today we've got a really cool episode. I'm going to be chatting to Chrissy all about email strategy and essentially looking at an email strategy that gets results and doesn't end up pissing a whole load of people off. Yeah, one of them
1: suck basically. If you want the TLG.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot that goes into email. It's being you know, it's a channel that was already very heavily trafficked and even more so with the, the current situation that the world is in where communication is only through digital means. Um,
1: and more tools, right?
0: And there's more tools to do yeah. it. Yeah, that's a great point. I'm sure you'll get into that yeah. in a little bit. So to kick it off, let's frame what we're gonna talk about Chrissy and um, you know why, why should people even care about this and, and what are some things that that they should care about?
1: Yeah, I mean, we have to be honest, email is still like a primary channel for marketing. So it's it's super important to make sure that you have a strategy that's gonna make sure that one, your emails get delivered, um, and actually to your prospect or customer. Um, but you know, two, that it makes sense. You're not over-messaging your prospects or customers or you're not giving them uh, experience through email that's going to instantly lead in and unsubscribe. And I think this can be very confusing for marketing teams. They can feel a bit overwhelmed and always go the easiest route. And the easiest route is not the best route usually. And so that's why I thought though, it'd be it's not that hard to figure out what are the steps you need to do that actually is quite easy um, and I wanted to take away the like overwhelm from it. It can be very overwhelming for people in marketing ops to figure out what to do.
0: Just when I heard the easiest route is not the best route, I just thought of an analogy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like going on a hike, right? If you go on the really easy route, it might be good, but it's not going to be as rewarding. No. But if you go on the hard route, you get the best view, you get the best reward.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. So, yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, exactly. And so, um, so I thought starting from the beginning and then go all the way down to even how you should um email your prospects and customers um and when to automate and when to not. So honestly get your notebook out or, you know. <laughs> That's so. Uh, that's so like '90s. Get your planner out and <laughs> release the Frank folder. Now, um, get your um, notes ready. And I think you might be pausing on this. Um, and I'm actually. I think I'm gonna create some a blog post on this or some type of piece of content to share with um, with everyone. So, so yeah. So um, where
0: should they start? So when you're thinking about email, obviously a lot of people are probably doing a lot of email already. Yeah. Um, But, you know, how can they maybe reset what they're doing or where's a good place to start?
1: Yeah. So I'll maybe take off from your hiking analogy. And, you know, if you are going on a hike, the number one thing that you do is you. Walk. (laughs) Before you do that, you need to figure out your route. Where are you going? Like, how do you get there? Um, And usually, you know, back in the day before you had your iPhone, you would look at a map. Um, The next step would be walking and that's what we'll go into a bit. But the first thing is, um, I think you should create a communication map. We're all about documentation here at Forward Thinking. We've talked about it a lot. Um, But I think this is a good place to go into um, whatever tool you have, like when you Lucid, and map out all the places and tools that send out email to your prospects and customers. And honestly, you might have to do some interviewing here. You might find that like a customer success team or product team is using a tool like SendGrid or something and you have like no idea.
0: Yeah, so what are some common, like if you had to say across our clients or companies we speak to, what are the the usual suspects that people know where to direct their energy to figure that out?
1: Yeah. So the first one is obviously your market automation platform or email platform. I I weirdly had a conversation or email thread with someone who they used MailChimp, but also used HubSpot. So
0: I feel like I've, I've stumbled across that a lot. Like,
1: yeah, I think we, be, uh, Ma- mm. they
0: we're put, they're spending all this money on Marketo, and then they're like, oh, we're going to send max team <laughs> is like, oh, I don't want to damage our deliverability with right. Marketo or something, or, or maybe Marketo isn't delivering. So they'll go get. Mailchimp and just blast emails out of it. It yep. makes me want to cry, but
1: yeah, pain. We'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, d- um, so look there. Um, any tools from the marketing team? There might even be tools that you you don't even realize. So like any customer, um, kind of inf- influence tools or um, you know, partner marketing tools. Mm-hmm. Those might be sending out email too. So make sure to think exhaustively here
0: and sales engagement tools.
1: Yeah, so the next one is sales. So sales engagement tools like outreach or sales they are a big part of what we're going to talk about today because they're like the next um, big player for these of um, you know how much emails being sent out and how easily they can be um, misused. And then the third is like from your product or from like a customer success team. So Gainsight, you know, tools like that—they have emailing, mass emailing to them, um, potentially like a Zendesk um and what would you find
0: and what would you find out with just the tool or would you also dig into how they're using it i would yeah
1: both so i would go into um who you're sending email to from them how is email being sent out are there any like um ways that you're capturing email opt-out so Mm -hmm. i'll go i'll talk about that but definitely figure out like you know, how the settings for sending emails in mass, collecting opt-in information or opt-out information, um, and how you're getting back that um, and, and, and who you're targeting and how often it's being used. Um, so all of that. And to take the next step also is, you know, how do those tools send out their email? Do you, um, do you have a dedicated IP with it? Do you, mm-hmm. are you on a shared um, IP? This all kind of in, you know, what domain are you sending email from? Is it your actual, uh, you know, company domain or is it a subdomain? Um, so, those are additional questions too. Basically,
0: order everything, figure it, figure it all out, write it all down and get that bird's eye view.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: I um, think that's good advice for anything, but especially this where there's, you know, a lot of people probably don't know all these answers off the top of their head, right?
1: Yeah. And
0: especially um, on how people are using things, the amount of times. I'll ask marketing ops, oh, what are are the sales team doing in outreach or sales loft? And they have no idea. Which, you know, it's not their fault, um, but it's probably time to figure that out because that's gonna be, that's part of the whole email strategy.
1: Yeah, Uh, and I think you can talk to IT, but really talking to the end users of those tools for how they're using it and how many emails they're using is important too. I think some people just think, oh, I'll just talk to IT and ask them. They probably know. they're not, they're not really good. So they might not know, you know, and then they they probably don't know how they're being used. So one
0: interesting thing I think we work with a lot of startups and and mid market companies, um, and uh, which the owner of the tool is generally the the team that's also the end user, right? Like mm-hmm. the marketing team owns the marketing automation platform, mm-hmm. the sales team owns the sales engagement platform, the customer success team owns their platform. whereas A lot of the enterprise companies that we speak to, they, the IT team owns Mm -hmm. a lot of that, right? So I think it depends on kind of the where you go might depend on the size of your company, the ownership of of these tools and things like that. Do you you agree with that? That's
1: a great point. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, But I I think it's also warrants figuring out someone like within that respective team that maybe even works with IT because they are gonna have insight into yep. the, how you're using it and um, how you'll continue to use it so. and
0: actually speaking of IT this next part I think is where you definitely want to buddy up with IT right so mm-hmm. um, what what you see so once you've got the map um, it looks like you know from from what you're what you're talking about like protocols is the next step.
1: Yeah. Um, and I don't think that people here need to be an expert on this, but just starting the conversation to make sure you have your email protocols in place. Um, you know, market automation platforms and stuff, they'll, they'll at a minimum make you put in SPF and DKIM. So a lot of you listeners who are on the marketing ops side kind of know what that is. Um, and that helps out with your uh, deliverability and um, giving that system basically the permission to send out your email or email on behalf of your domain, um, but there are other things that you can do to really um, ensure that your email gets delivered. And Charlie and I were having a brief discussion right before this on the difference between deliverability, um, because you know that your tools might say, "Oh, all of these emails got delivered," um, but really deliverability versus the delivery—the so actual delivery—did it make its way into um, the person's
0: yeah, uh, so inbox? Do you want to? double tap on that so just so it's really clear the difference between an email being delivered versus deliverability
1: yeah so i think a lot of people use the word interchangeably but actually there is a difference and you know even on documentation for tools it will talk about the deliverability but really the numbers that we're getting from these tools is really just the delivery rate so Basically, was the spam, did it get delivered somewhere or was it rejected? And there's a difference between deliverability because there's it's that's whether your message actually made it to your prospect or customers. And there are different things in place that could prevent your prospect from receiving it.
0: Yeah, like a filter or a firewall um, Yeah, or it just ends up in the spam folder, et cetera.
1: Yeah, and so all of those you know, are deliverability issues. If you find that you're getting to a spam folder, that's a deliverability issue, but you could still see that that email got delivered. It just happened to make it into their spam.
0: Right, which is super confusing because every time everyone looks at their delivery rate mm-hmm. in Marketo or whatever tool and it's 99%, you're thinking it's getting into the inbox 99% of the time. But actually, I think I read some statistics yesterday And it could be as little as 50% of the time, especially if you're targeting enterprise where they're going to have incredibly secure systems in place. Or they'll they'll try to have incredibly incredibly secure systems in place to um, filter and and block emails using tools like Barracuda or other email security vendors.
1: Yeah. And there are things that can really help with your... Deliverability mm-hmm. um, that you can put in place, and and that means maybe adding on extra p- protocols like DMARC, um, or in turn you have a dedicated IP. Having a shared IP can really impact your deliverability of your email. Um, there's also some things if you do have a dedicated IP, you can add on things like a branded return path, um, and so. We won't go into too much depth, but we are thinking maybe having a deliverability expert on um, who can talk through all of this in if depth. If you
0: know one, let us know. Yeah, if you are one, let us know. <laughs> um, <laughs> it goes deep.
1: Yeah, um, so definitely make sure that's in place. There, I've even seen cases where SPF and DKIM like, wasn't even validating, they're still sending right. out email. So.
0: so then moving on to the next thing, and I think um, to frame this, it's important for people to understand um, that deliverability right is based on some of the stuff you just talked about uh, but also on engagement right yeah. a lot of the yeah you know, the the these email providers like gmail like microsoft they're able to see how many in in simplest terms how many emails you know, have come from your company so your your company's called company x how many emails are the, have have they has any of their clients received from company X, how many were opened? How many were marked to spam? How many did they, did you click? Did you, you know, junk? Did you delete? And that's factored all into the algorithm to determine whether it should end up in the spam folder, yeah. whether e- whether email should be quarantined, et so, um, the the So one of the biggest facets and what we try and talk to clients about all the time is your when you send email and when you are you know emailing your database, if you're not following some of the best practices that I'm going to ask you about, mm-hmm. it's going to overall impact your deliverability going forward, right? It's not like you don't you can't you don't you don't get away with it, right? Uh-uh. So, that so I think the engagement piece people forget about, and they think, oh, I can batch and blast and do all this, and it's not going to impact me over time, but you might continually see. You know, less and less people opening and clicking your emails because less and less of those emails are actually get to those person. Even though even though those emails are not bouncing, right? Yeah. They're still saying it's delivered. It's still not getting to those people because the the email provider is blocking those emails or moving them to spam. So that so the engagement piece. So how can you like? I think the, one of the big things you want to talk about is like the the rules of engagement, right? Yeah. Because so you don't have a lot of teams. Going crazy. So, wh- how do you like? How do you think about you know in- enforcing rules so you can create a better experience for your recipients across you know all these disparate systems and teams?
1: Yeah, and I'll start out with like in some ways I kind of feel like this has gotten worse. Like I'm not going to blame it on ABM, but ABM does play a big role into this because mm,
0: that's very true. We
1: used to do kind of more of an inbound marketing approach, and just you know we might be emailing one to two people from that account. Um, but really now it's, you know, we have tons of people from the account in your system and a lot of lazy ABM has been maybe not using some best practices. Um, and so, and then you're also potentially targeting enterprises who, um, don't, you know, take their email, you know, how they handle their email very seriously. So I'm not going to say ABM is the culprit for a lot of the, you can say it. It kind of (laughs) is. Yeah. I mean, it kind of is. And how and people's definition of ABM. So but I think the first thing and and, you know, companies like uh, demand based Engageo, you know, before they became demand based, like would talk about creating a, a email strategy or even communication strategy. And this is something I, I totally suggest for campaigns, but you can just simply tie this approach into email. So. You know, the three teams that are mostly we're talking about are sales, marketing, customer success, like the revenue team. Right. And it's it's they're all emailing prospects and customers. And it could be that you're over emailing people. Um, and, And that plays a big role. And I'll talk into best practices, too, when, you know maybe emailing when you shouldn't, but even over-emailing is a is a big thing because um, that will lead to unsubscribes. And once someone unsubscribes, that's, that's it, right? You can't really email them again unless they engage with you again and go through a whole opt-in process and that <laughs> doesn't really happen very often. So. And,
0: and if, if the client is seeing, the, 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 the company that you're emailing is seeing that you're emailing them thousands of messages every, every month and no one at that company is opening, and, opening them, then that's a quick one-way ticket to the spam folder.
1: Totally. And and I've talked about this before. Not having one of these in place will also lead to really weird things like sales telling marketing, not to email anyone or not even to email the whole account. And really it should be a joint effort. Like the marketing sales should be working in tandem with each other. So it's better just to create like swim lanes for, for things. Um so creating swim lanes for you know, and, and also put in email limits maybe within a tool as well because this will help too with just the too many emails going out from that tool at one time um, ensuring that you know you're not over communicating so
0: so what's a good example of of swim lanes can you map that up
1: yeah so the first one i would say um for the first you know sales kind of talking through um who they can email but i think the first thing is um knowing like um, for like cold prospects, that should just be sales. Um, so marketing shouldn't be emailing them. Obviously customer success won't be emailing them, but really just sales should be emailing them. And I'll talk about that in the next piece on, you know, do we automate email? But first cold emails, cold prospects, that should just be sales. Um, 100% of the time? I mean, for <laughs> I have to draw a line in the yeah, sand yeah, and say make yes. Make a stand. I'm, yeah, this is a hot take, but I'll say yes. Um, it doesn't mean that, yeah, yes, per, on my
0: side. So 100% of the time. Um, Cold
1: prospects, like literally you pull that person from Zoom info, they yeah. know nothing about your company whatsoever, yes.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. and um, So.
1: I'll talk about some maybe differences beyond those people in a second of like maybe where you can um, maybe, a cuts not cut a cord, but have a way where marketing or you can automate some of that. That's the key thing. Like just because I said sales is the only people that can email, and doesn't mean that all of that needs to just be one to one email. I'll talk about the difference between one to email, one to one email, where you can automate pieces of that because obviously, like people need to hit their numbers. I hate all this thing like all you know. Sales prospecting is so terrible. Don't reach out to me unless I've said I wanted to you know hear from your company. That's bullshit. like how are you gonna make your revenue numbers right? And so we need to be sympathetic to a salesperson in their job and outbound does have a place, but just doing it right totally.
0: um
1: so yeah and then and
0: and to add on to that, if sales is doing if sales is managing just cold, right, mm-hmm. then the people who are receiving those emails are going to be getting a much more consistent experience they're not going to be over emailed therefore you know maybe deliverability right could improve because marketing might be sending too many emails to that company or person pulling down deliverability right Mm -hmm. so you could end up seeing the response rates going up by actually emailing less
1: totally and uh for a cold prospect seeing someone send them like a one-to-one email from a salesperson is less likely to get Um, marked as spam than if you're just receiving a marketing email
0: exactly and and how i ask anyone listening when was the last time you received a marketing email an obvious marketing email from a company you never heard you never heard of or likely heard of that you didn't subscribe to and like it probably zero right yeah but how many times I know obviously there's the what you just talked about, people complain about salespeople. There's a lot of salespeople out there that might not have be having the best approach, but there are some really good ones out there. You know, if you received a very well-crafted message from a salesperson, right? Mm-hmm. Very specific to you, your company, your use cases you're trying to tackle. Yeah. Then are you going to be more receptive to that?
1: Yeah, I, I, if anything, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when it's done well. I'm like, I'll, I'll praise those people. I received it. I received like a video or something, I think a personalized video one time from someone or and, so, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna share this. Um, so yeah, if anything, I'm a marketer and I, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so that we always like to talk about like, market people like you'd wanna be marketed to. Right? Exactly. So then, so that's first swim lane, what's another? What's another?
1: Yeah, so I mean, from a, a marketing standpoint for anything that's kind of, um, you know, Nurt, from a nurture standpoint for inbound leads, people that have engaged with marketing, marketing can email those people. Um, even if maybe someone originally came in sales outbound but ended up engaging with marketing, marketing can um, email those people. And then also customers. But this is where it's uh, where you, marketing should be in lockstep with customer success versus marketing. What are the types of emails customer success is sending versus a customer marketing team? And you might find that there's like overlap and um, sending out like conflicting messages. So, what you know does marketing own sending out you know customer webinars trainings and stuff like that and customer success really just does personal reach out or is the customer success team on the hook for doing some of the other education and stuff so getting clear on like what types of emails are being sent across those groups for customer is probably the one you'll need to clearly define
0: Mm -hmm. so are they the major swim lanes then or are there any more
1: Um, There's also like stuff for product updates, which may come from the product team and that could go down through the customer side as well. So, um, but those are kind of your major swim lanes and, and, and if anything for product updates, I love that coming out of the app itself and not sending it through email, because if you do have any deliverability rates right? so you might have some angry customers or or customers who don't know what came out in your product or what are some mm.
0: so um, like a notification updates. within the application itself
1: yeah and and you can do that just like even on your login page or yeah. announcement when you first log in or if you use like a pendo or something like that you can even customize that experience even within different parts of your app
0: Totally, yeah. How many times have people had had complaints from customers that you didn't see receive that important update email, right? Yeah, and that's the risk you're playing when with all of this. If you're if it's going out of your marketing automation platform, like and that.
1: it's a better experience. You can use chat for that kind of stuff as well, and um, make it a bit more of an interactive experience if they do have questions on those new features.
0: So, where one more question on the swim lanes: where do they intersect, and when do they end? So is there, would you have any rules where maybe this, the swim lane for cold can jump into the marketing swim lane and then, or, and then if you're in either swim lane, how do you have any rules of thumb to say how long you should be trying to communicate, communicate with people that may not be responding?
1: So for, for cold and for sales outbound, I think that that should purely stay in sales. And then I, and there are, and that's where I feel like in some ways marketing feels like they need to take some of that to send out, to do more of like the automation. But if you're using a sales engagement tool, I think really you can do a mixture of one to one and then, and then automation, which I'll talk about like when we automate, Um, but really the... That should stay there. The intersection, I think, will always be kind of your your engaged prospects and customers, where that will have different touch points across sales, marketing, and customer success. And but I do think that marketing takes more of the educational approach. Sales is more of obviously the selling approach um, and doing more of that, like crafted, um, you know, research and and outreach. Um, and I, I do think it's important to do that. You might have an MQL that's maybe being um, reached out to by sales, but that person's actually engaged with your content. Send them more content. You know, take the the cold people are the ones that don't want to receive that. Like, give, For the people that do, and that's the crazy thing. I see people like, oh, MQLs goes to sales, never emailing them for marketing again until they get nurtured. But we know that also people don't get nurtured in a timely manner. There's stuff sitting there and working that hasn't been reached out to. So so really like marketing should take a, a nurture approach. You can just maybe limit how many emails get sent, but really think about like the education there. And, um,
0: and what about when a, a cold person does engage?
1: Yeah, I think that that can, Exactly, so engaged people, that's when marketing can kind of take over again and and start um, nurturing those people too. Okay. So the whole, whole point really is with your brand, with the sales um, outreach, is if they can get them to engage, right? That's the best case scenario because then now marketing is able to nurture those people.
0: And then in terms of timeline, um, is that you have any swim lanes for people who, having, people who previously engaged but haven't engaged for a very long time?
1: I think it's important to make note of that because I think if you're still sending email to people who are inactive, you're going to hurt your um, email just performance in general. So I think when someone does, you know, if someone got nurtured by sales, sometimes having a cool off period is nice as well because they've just been touched by sales loads of times and they may have said, oh, I'm not ready. You know, maybe do like a mini cool off period depending on what the nurture reason was, especially. And then you can nurture them differently based on those nurture responses too. But, um, you know, I don't know, 15, 30 days, just give them a little bit of a breather. Um, if 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 you think, like, say it's like a closed loss opportunity is kind of one of, the, one of those ones I think of. And then you, can, you may have a different nurture approach, but. Um, If someone just goes completely inactive and it's been, like, 90 days or you can maybe even go a little bit further, I would say, like, you know, don't email them for marketing. Wait till they come back to you. You might have, like, certain campaigns where you try and re-engage, but I think we talked about this with a guest before as well, but they don't really perform that well either, so... Those are also great outbound. Like the, you can almost treat those as cold prospects again from outbound if they work at the company and, and then they'll go down that path.
0: Yep. And then always be making sure that you're clearing out your database and you've got data best practices going on. So you're not just retaining all of this old data where people left the company and then risking issues when you start to email, if you do start to email them again, right? Yeah. Like the, nice, a nice way to ruin your deliverability is by emailing inactive people or spam traps. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think that the, the more is more mentality does not make sense here. Mm-hmm. I had a, like a, a few weeks ago, someone just left a flyer for a nail salon on my door and I'm just like, oh, I just hate when people do that, right? Just literally put on every single person's door. Not, not only do I hate that from a, a like, what a waste of paper, but I didn't ask for that. And also, you just look at, like, how many they just put out there. That's a case of, like, more is not more. How many responses are going to get from that? If anything, it looks a bit desperate, you know?
0: yeah i think that case so i remember that they just like threw it on the floor like not even by the door right yeah it was, it was just, just like, more, like on our bush or something just, <laughs> yeah it was on our bush yeah, yeah it was just littering basically yeah and so think <laughs> um, about
1: that like that should not be your email approach like there's nothing personalized to me of why you even want to go there what if i was just like uh you know um someone who doesn't get their nails done like you know it just doesn't make sense so Take the, pro- like, don't take that approach when it comes to your email. And also, how, mu- how much harder is that, right? I so mean, it when-
0: got your attention, though, actually you're talking about it now. Do you want yeah, to shout knowing- out the, the company? I don't even <laughs> remember joking. the name. So- um, but yeah. Well, um, I actually, so yesterday, uh, we've been conducting a deliverability audit for one of our clients. And we, interestingly, over time, uh, I was looking at their sent volume versus their engagement metrics Mm um because engagement metrics are a good kind of proxy or number to look at i know they can be you know ruined by spam clicks and things like that but uh, a good way to kind of see your deliverability trends because it's very hard to say whether it really got into the inbox or not yeah um but if you're seeing everything going up like your click in your open rate it's likely that something that you're doing should be improving Deliverability, or you're obviously it, 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 the fact that people are engaging yeah. can also then ultimately improve your deliverability. But anyway, the the, the actual uh sent volume went down to uh, twenty five. Well, it didn't go down twenty. Went down seventy five percent. Like they were emailing. I think it was around like two hundred thousand a month or something, and then it, it it went down to under like it was like fifty thousand ish. I think even some months a little bit less than that, but. As they started doing that, their conversion rates in every for open and clicks started going up. Of course, there's just like a math situation there yeah. where you email less people, that's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. But it's a good like the, the volume of people engaging stayed the same like stayed the same and went up. So that the point of less less is more or more isn't more always is better. More. right? Yeah. <laughs> is so true, mm-hmm. right? And, and it, it it just beautifully displayed that in, in the metrics that we were looking at.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, then,
0: So then once you've got your swim lanes, I mean, you've been mentioning touching on automating, right? So once you've defined the, the swim lanes, what is your thoughts on automation around email? Because there's a lot you can do, but there's probably a lot you shouldn't do.
1: There's a lot you can do, and that's the tricky part, I, I think, with sales engagement tools having you know, sequences and um, being able to do mass emailing, that just, you know, leads to the, that more's more thing. And I think when you're desperate and on either side, marketing side, sales side, you're going to go down these like wrong paths to get engagement. And so, but I think it's, it doesn't need to be overwhelming. And it also doesn't need to make you feel like you can't make your numbers. It just means having a little bit of like a strategy around that and we're kind of living on time, but I want to make sure we really touch on on this. So, um, when do I automate email? I think that's a big thing, um, and even now I'm starting to like get my thoughts around it too. And I've always talked about it with clients, but I think having one that's a compromise, I think, is is a good way to think about this. So, when you're sending to cold emails, this should be from sales, right? And it should be one to one. So, if if there's like just plain cold, just reaching out. You don't know if there's any likelihood of them buying um, or there hasn't been an event to show that they might buy or intend or anything like that. A one-to-one email is the best thing you can do. And personalizing it is the best thing you can do. Like personalizing it and you can pull from different buckets, but a lot of the time it'll, it'll be like based on research. If you can't find certain research, you know, looking to stuff that that prospect's done Um, online or, you know, find them on social, like their stuff, you know, and then, and then, you know, reference some of the content they put out there. Making that email as relevant as possible to the person. It could even be, you know, you went to my college. That's so cool. Like, when did you study there? You know, having something to reach out to about is better than nothing. Um, And
0: I'd have an example of, say, it, and you don't have to over-engineer it, and go too crazy, right? No. So an example that I had the other day: someone messaged me on LinkedIn and said, um, "Do you like? Do you want to start? Have you ever thought about starting a podcast?" <laughs> <laughs> and I have in my LinkedIn like headline or whatever, podcast host. Yeah. So all it would have taken for a better message there to be like, "Oh, I saw you're the podcast host." Mm-hmm you know, maybe listen to just one episode. And so I listened to this one episode and I would have been so much more interested in what that person had to say.
1: Right, did you like unconnect
0: with... I actually messaged, he actually got a response because I messaged him back and I said, look, I don't like hating on salespeople, but you really should have just looked. Oh yeah,
1: so actually, no, this is a good point because I want to make sure we stay on time. Okay. But because the last part I talked about is reporting and responses because not all response is created equal. And I think that's important to know with the future of like how we track email um, engagement. So, but yes, I think yeah. exactly. Sorry, I
0: took us on a tangent No, there, no, but... no, that's
1: a good example. Do not do that. Um, and that's it. So that's a one-to-one, no mm-hmm. automation. What you can automate is just literally like send that person to outreach for a task for yourself or something like that, but you're creating the email.
0: So you would never automate for cold. No. In a in, in perfect world.
1: No, the, the but, well, okay, not never. I do have a subset of cold prospects that you can um, automate campaigns for, but it's gonna be a mixture of some automation and some one-to-one. So, you know, one-to-many and and one-to-one. So, and, but this falls into a category that they're like, they have a likelihood to buy or they have an event or like premise that makes it so that they may be a good quality. Where would
0: you figure that out?
1: So there are different sources. Um, part of that could be like G2, mm-hmm. intent data, or just intent data in general. Um, this could be like a referral from like a customer. Someone said, oh, hey, this person might be interested. Um, they don't know about you really, but like maybe someone said that you might be interested.
0: See them talking about stuff on social related. Yeah, you see them talking
1: about so- something on social. You maybe have like a common VC with the company. Your CEO may have a connection with them. Um, all of those, or they may have just gotten funding or did a new hire. So if you, you know, you have some tool around um, security and they just hired a CISO or you do something on security and they just had a breach that was public that could be something where you could potentially like reach out cold, but, but put in some automation. But I would say like some automation means like maybe some of those touch points um, ha- are through an automated sequence. Um, for a few of those steps or the calls, but then you may have like one or two emails within that flow where you actually need to personalize some of the messaging. Yeah,
0: um, makes sense. But
1: it could be at scale too. So some of the personalized parts of that messaging could actually just be fields that you maybe populate in Salesforce and mm-hmm. then the templates use that. Um, and then for inbound leads like demo and contact us, that should automat- That should just be automated. Um, so automatically send out um you know response to that that makes sure that it's timely and then for engaged inbound leads um, of course you can send automated nurture for marketing um, and try to make that as personalized as you can by persona industry you know what type of product um, but also for those people if they are um, you know if they end up becoming mql and they're ready for sales because they did something you can put some automation in there, but some personalization maybe based on like what they did and how they got to you, and even incorporate as much that you um, research points that maybe you plug into details in Salesforce as well. So that can be a bit more automated too.
0: So then I know we're running out of time here, but did you want to touch on reporting quickly before we wrap this up?
1: Um, So the last thing is just make sure you do your reporting. Uh, Keep a close eye on um, not just delivery or like the, you know, but the deliverability if you can. So um, try and look into um, any like balance information that you have, or even talk to uh, your customer success team. Is your customer, are your customers even receiving the emails right. that you're sending from marketing? That's a great way
0: to just try and figure out if you've got problems, right? Just, yeah. Just ask people that are friendlies.
1: Yeah, and then um, for sales, it, I think a response is not created equal. And that's why I think it's good to also look at um, like the goals and like what comes out of that. So how well is a sequence to getting a meeting booked? You know, how how, how many opportunities, like how, how well are your sequences doing? And for, for a client, we even create campaigns just for sequences because we wanna be able to see like pipeline tied to those two. You don't need to go to that extent but doing some type of reporting there to really see outcomes. And um, Outreach actually just did um, an announcement on a beta feature where they're gonna do more around sentiment and getting insights into positive responses versus negative responses. And I think that is um, hopefully the future of using AI for good, because it's really really hard to um, track when you're just looking at like a generic response, which could be even an out of office, right? Or some type of message like, no, stop, Stop emailing me. You know, th- some tools will pick that up as a response. We don't want that. Mm-hmm. Um. So definitely do your reporting. Um, and I think to end this, you know, developing an email strategy can be like confusing. You got to get a lot of people on board. But really, I think this is an important one to invest time in. And if it's not on your roadmap for next year, maybe make that a goal um, and start planning across the teams, develop a strategy that scales, but you'll, and you'll ensure your prospects and customers are happy and educated, and you'll actually get good deliver, deliverability and response rates, um, and positive responses at that. So, so yeah, so hopefully this was helpful for everyone and kind of gave a clear path into what you can do and what really provides, um, an impact.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And I, I always think of email as as the number one channel where you have to be patient, especially if maybe you started a new company and things haven't really been as great as kind of what you've just described Mm -hmm. and you do have deliverability issues. You're not going to fix that overnight, Mm -hmm. but you have to be, you have to have a plan like this Mm -hmm. and then be really disciplined. And in a few months you'll start seeing results. So, um, yeah, I thought that was, that, that was great. Follow that plan. And, uh, I think we're doing maybe a round two with a deliverability expert on this. And I'm sure we could dive into all of the, in these subcategories or subtopics in this topic in far more detail. So thanks. Yeah.
1: Thanks everyone for joining. And we'll see you on the next episode of Forward Thinking.
0: Bye. Right. This is Charlie. So if you like what you heard, hit like on the platform where you watch this. Also, leave a review. Honestly, we'd really, really appreciate it. You can also subscribe where you listen to your podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or even YouTube. And make sure you subscribe to our newsletter, which is packed full of exclusive content, updates for events or courses that we might be doing, all designed to elevate your marketing operations and B2B strategy. See you next time on Forward and Forward It up.